0: First of all, thank you for participating. And uh, for those of you out there watching and listening, uh, this is the first episode of Stay in Your Lane. Uh, I'm hosting it. My name is John Bailey. We have two participants today that uh, will be acting as a panel. Uh, what percentage of drivers are female in the industry today? I'm gonna go with A. You're going with A. You think it's 3.9? Yeah. How about you, Todd? Well, like I
1: said, I wrote my answers down in advance, so I knew you were going to ask this one, John. I I believe confident. I believe (laughs) confidently. I believe confidently. It's probably closer to six percent. I'm going to go with C. You are correct. It pays to do preparation. Or sit there googling (laughs) on your computer
2: while I'm answering.
0: (laughs) So for today. We wanna talk about something that I think frustrates everyone in our industry. Something very simple, and we don't understand why it continues to happen. That's unloading fees, lumper charges, things of this nature.
3: The only people that seem to make out good with lumper fees are the lumpers and the receivers. So I guess my question has always been, how did they get so ingrained in our industry?
0: Well, from my history, uh, it wasn't across the whole industry until the past 25 or 30 years, a lot of a lot of locations didn't charge unloading, didn't have lumper fees. Uh, I think it was chosen as a profit center, and, and it's confusing to me because when you contract or you you make arrangements to purchase something from a shipper, their job is to bring it to you in a truck, and your job is to have facilities and manpower, etc., to unload the truck. Correct.
3: That's my understanding, yes.
0: So, you know, where's the shakedown?
3: Is there things that the shipper can do? Sure. Could you maybe customize pallets more at the shipper end so they can go right into the receiver's locations? Now, you could do, again, some products you can do that. B and C items you probably can't because you don't have enough critical mass.
0: Well, and at 11 or $12 a pallet in today's market, you know, there's a pallet shortage. So yeah. if, if someone takes them in at half height and and stacks them in their warehouse at half height, they need twice as many pallets.
3: Sure, that is about so, inefficiencies. Absolutely.
0: Yes. Subject is going to be: What does it mean to be
2: a shipper of choice? Well, you know what, John? I'll jump off. Uh, I'll jump off the bridge first. Um, I think being a shipper of choice is we have tried inside of our company to make sure that we become a shipper of choice by understanding that. Whether it's an asset-based carrier or it's, it's, it's a broker relationship, that every one of those drivers and every one of those trucks is an asset that we need to make sure that we treat them with uh, as much professional uh, courtesy as we can and understand that they're probably as important and maybe in this day and age more important than the bottling machines that we have and that we have to keep up and running. So it's something we got to have and we need to treat these people with respect
0: period we get a lot of orders that are set up for failure before we get to them.
2: yeah
0: okay and when that happens our policy is to to reach out to everybody and and make sure that everybody's aware this is set up for failure and it doesn't matter if it's a four-stop load and and we can't because of what times the receivers are able to accept the deliveries versus what time is planned there's a gap there, so at some level, there's always going to be some failure, you know, set up for failure before we get orders. That's a very good point because we have seen shippers putting visibility right as a requirement in the contract with carriers. Right. But why not put in the sales contract between the shipper and the consignee? Right. Then well, everybody I, is held accountable. If it was in the contract that they would have to provide you information ahead of time before anything was deducted, then how many of these 50 to 70 percenters would end up being the receiver's waste of time? And would they give up? Because right now, they're able to waste your time. I think we're seeing um, the impact of the uh, increase in fuel. Mm -hmm. Uh, the inflation that you're speaking of, uh, but also if you're a normal American in the United States right now, uh, your gas bill just doubled in the past 12 months. Your fuel bill and your grocery bill is on the verge of of being up 25, 35% in the past 12 months across the board.
3: Yeah.
0: However, I do think that uh it wouldn't take much to tighten capacity back up. I, I
3: would agree. I would agree there. I mean it's I'm not gonna say the market's fragile, but you you, you get a couple of events, weather events out there, or you, you could you could see the market turn pretty quick. The load to truck ratio is, is gone down considerably in the last couple of weeks. You know, you got five loads per truck or three loads per truck, whatever that number is, which is pretty much you know, that, that's that, that, that's pretty much an even market when it's when it's that low. It's when you get ratios like twelve to one or fifteen to one. That's where you get the shortages and the capacity constraints.
0: How are you doing it to keep and gain drivers in today's market? Well, one advantage we have is people like working at Lighthouse. <laughs> that's first and foremost. We've got a group of people that have been here a long time. They they want to retire here, and it reached a point when our wages were not keeping up with the market. And so we had to go back and restructure it and come up with some more money. And all those people were just thrilled to death to have an increase.
2: They weren't actually thinking about going anywhere else. You know, um, it, it is so important and we are 100% employee owned. So anybody that signs on with, um, you know, thoughts are designed on long-term employment, um, it's a huge financial benefit to them. The training side, if one of our employee owners wants to make a transition from what they're doing in the plants or at plant support, we can take that person enroll them in a four week driving school and then bring them in for a six week training, actual on the ground training with other drivers. It's been hugely successful. Um, We just got an official apprenticeship program with the state of Idaho. We'll start in the next couple of weeks of actually um, bringing in um, people that don't have a CDL, employee owners, and we'll open it up to the outside too, to keep the driver pool strong.
0: I would assume is an expense or a struggle for you guys to overcome is gonna be equipment.
2: Uh, Yeah, uh, right off the bat, not only equipment, but availability of that equipment and, or the parts to keep it up and running. Um, That I think uh, Dennis, you'd agree is probably our biggest hurdle uh, right now. Um, Whether the guy's broken down on the road and he needs a subunit or we just need a rental for a week, um, the supply of those vehicles seems to have disappeared. So
0: stuff's not available. And even if you paid a 10 or 15% premium, And you would stop. You'd be able to utilize that equipment. You wouldn't have to park it for two weeks or long periods of time while you're waiting for the product. So there's an additional cost, you know, to look at there. So, what do you think the future holds then for equipment? Are you we're seeing a year on tractors, nine months on trailers?
3: So trailers, for example, they went up sixty-six percent on the cost of a new trailer. So when we order bundles of trailers lots of trails essentially uh, it hurts right so now and but the other discerning part is we'll actually get the pricing 14 weeks prior do we actually get the trailers so even though we got a quote on the trailer um, we'll let you know 14 weeks before you actually get the trailer what the actual price will be
0: so today we want to talk about uh, four kites try to understand from a tracking and tracing perspective uh, what values it brings to the industry and to shippers versus us as a carrier on the carrier side and trying to understand where it brings value that maybe we don't see or understand from from one side to the other.
1: Uh, first off, you know, as with any industry, it's customer service. Uh, to be able to you know proactively let our customers know if there's an issue with their delivery along the way, again, on-time delivery is always preferred, but, you know, we work in the world of logistics and things happen.
0: I think that, they, you know, most of us didn't, uh, didn't see four kites on our side of, of the table. We saw four kites for an on-time delivery. We didn't initially, we didn't see it as a, uh, a tool that you could utilize to pro- provide uh, and refute deductions.
1: Uh, when we first looked at the application, you know, we looked at it, like you said, from the, the on-time service perspective. And as we were doing the ROI for it, we looked at, okay, is there, you know, how can we pay for this thing? So being able to fight the deductions uh, or help mitigate deductions with that, you know, GPS locator information was a crucial part of getting it approved.
0: It was a, it was a big deal. um talking about, you know, you had to build up the ROI for the tool. So, so getting that kind of, again, kind of source of the truth is really big for um, continuous improvement and keeping moving forward
3: on improving our time delivery. Like I said, up until November, which was a horrible month for us, it was, uh, you know, a bloodbath. I, that's, I, I think every you know, trucking company can tell you the same thing. We did a line by line itemized uh, to check everything and everything we're doing is a exact same line that we had had before when it was profitable. The biggest thing that was killing us was fuel. And this is this for October, last year, our fuel was $60,000 higher than it was the October the year before.
0: Today we've got in the blue corner, Bob Costello. thank for coming. He hails from the American Trucking Association, the red, the red Corner, corner. Dan, Dan North, North from the Baltimore, Baltimore Maryland, Maryland area. Alliance trade, 27, 27 years, 27 and them. So we got two undefeated heavyweights here. Gonna be good. We think it's quite likely we'll enter a recession in the second half of this year,
1: maybe a little sooner. Now, the much harder question to answer is how long is it going to last? Now, how deep it's going to be. Well, we think it's going to be something of a moderate time period. It's Since World War II, the average length has been like 11 months, so we're saying two quarters, maybe three.
0: We've had uh, bloated inventories for a while that retailers in particular have been trying to work off. That has also been a drag on freight. So so from the U.S. perspective, I agree with everything Dan said, but from a goods part of the economy, I think we have been in a recession. I think the the inventory cycle's getting closer to sort of turning the other way not necessarily booming but i think the retailers are getting close to being where they want to be and so we may actually see some headwinds stop at least not be as strong uh here in the second half of the year uh, for freight which would be a very interesting dynamic if that in fact takes takes place got kicked up to the supreme court of the united
3: states who denied uh to hear it and then so it goes now back to the district court to do what the appellate court had told it to do, which was to dissolve the injunction. Um, however,
0: a new party has come into this case. OIDA. Yeah, and they are, uh,
3: they're on fire. I mean, they, uh, they filed uh, for a, an, an injunction not based on F4A, but based on the Dormant Commerce Clause.
0: Um, it's a theory that was raised early, but never litigated really. Thank I'm going you. to send
2: you a tree,
0: a tree. You need to plant a tree. I'm I plant tree. trees all the time.
2: I know. I'm going to send you one and you can call it windy. Your willow tree, windy willow.
0: Oh, is it a willow? Yes.
2: A weeping willow? A weeping willow. We'll send you a tree.
0: Oh, are you going to send somebody <laughs> to come pick up everything that falls down off of it? No. Yeah. <laughs> Nick enjoyed it very much, sir. Appreciate it. Sterling Solutions, everyone. Give them a shout if you want to know anything about cold storage. All right? Great. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks, John.